0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN
1: Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome. It's the Monday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA Studios in Honolulu, and uh, we've been playing a game here uh, in recent weeks. Uh, it is sort of along the lines of "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" But in this case, it's "Where in the world is Rich Miano?" Because he has <laughs> been globe trotting, and he is my man. Uh, of course, my partner for Spectrum Sports pay-per-view coverage of University of Hawaii football. Uh, he is our resident football guru, and he is in the house as the guest co-host here today rich miano how's it going fresh off another sojourn uh, all the way to uh, the other side of the globe man you were you were in greece right yes
2: and uh we started off in athens and tremendous history went to santorini which was phenomenal mykonos uh which is just that's a whole another story and then crete which was a beautiful island uh actually my favorite out of uh the three and then went back to athens so it was a family vacation the food was wonderful the hospitality was incredible the history was great uh just overall it was a phenomenal trip
1: well uh great to to have you back for sure it sounds uh, incredible uh golf
2: in greece no golf there is golf there is but it, it We didn't bring the clubs, but I am playing in the member guest tournament this of this Friday-Saturday with June Jones, so I'm pretty excited. Ah. I've been practicing twice a day since I've been home.
1: We've been mentioning June a little bit a couple of times on the show here recently with all of the chaos in conference realignment and the Pac-12 on the verge of basically imploding now with only four teams that are still members uh, projected towards 2024. Uh, You have reports coming out that the ACC is going to have some initial meetings and discussions about uh, at least looking into the possibility of adding maybe Cal and Stanford as the ACC ACC is trying to uh, keep step with some of the power conferences, right? Quote, unquote, uh, as this thing just continues to get more and more wild. And, you know, June Jones had that wild idea a few years ago. It gained national uh, headlines when he talked about why don't the group of five conferences and members, why don't they just break off? We We are heading towards the super conference era anyway. It is certainly seemingly upon us now as we speak. And he says, why don't the group of five conferences break off? They move their season to the spring. You uh, negotiate your own TV deal, you have exclusivity as far as the market, as far as a college football brand at that time of the year. who tires of college football, right? I would imagine you'd have an audience out there. It might be logistically a little bit difficult to adjust to, but uh, June Jones, one thing about him is uh, he definitely threw stuff against the wall, uh, wanted to test what would stick, and he came up with some pretty wild ideas. Some people scoffed at some of those suggestions, uh, but every once in a while, he would throw something out there that's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty extreme, but there may be something to this in desperate times called for desperate measures, right?
2: Yeah, in the Power 5 is about to become, it looks like, the power four. And so the group of five could be actually the group of six. But who knows? There's going to be a divide and we've seen the halves continue to get bigger television contracts, bigger apparel contracts, this facility war that you, you're witnessing on a daily basis. I, I love facility building and, and I follow this immensely and I see all these things that football as the main generator of revenue is building, you know, in the nutritional centers and all these other things Legacy Halls. So, yeah, I think there's a possibility that the haves break off from the have-nots. And then you're right because I think football could be a year-round sport in this football-crazed country that we live in. And those other teams, I think, could build some type of viewership, some type of television contract, some type of niche in the spring.
1: Yeah, and it would be a little bit more, uh, you would imagine, an environment of greater solidarity, right, among those schools and those conferences where, uh, yeah, you would have sort of an alliance of sort. That's what would be required, right, for there to be across the board agreement like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to actually move over to the spring. Uh, and so I think you create something that might be a little bit more stable from that vantage point because, as you mentioned, you're going to get into the super conference era and you're going to have 18, 20 teams. In some of these leagues, how will that impact scheduling? How will members of the group of five conferences even get games with some of these super conference team members who are trying to build their RPIs? It's going to be that much more competitive to try to get into whatever form the college football playoff uh, eventually takes here because they're going to probably have to make an adjustment to that uh, even though it was uh, scheduled next season uh, to expand to 12 teams. Like They're going to have to do something to alter that and I think it's just going to create a greater amount of competition, which is just going to make it even more difficult for group of five teams to schedule those power five teams.
2: Yeah, you're right. And you look at it because these conferences are getting so big with 18 teams and eventually some of them will grow to that number. Say it's three major conferences with 20 teams each. They're not going to have out-of-conference games, so to speak. So Hawaii playing Vanderbilt, Hawaii playing Stanford, Hawaii playing Oregon Mm. may no longer exist. So therefore, the moving to spring even makes more sense because if you can't get those revenue-producing games that you have now to help with the budget, at least you'd have some type of market out there from a television standpoint, which you're not going to have because, again, we all know that ESPN, Fox, CBS Sports, all those big-time media uh, companies want marquee names and marquee conferences. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you're not going to be able to compete with them on the same level, or at least you will be competing at a much uh, less ideal position, right? You won't have a position of strength in that kind of competition. So you just do your own thing. You carve out your own thing. Uh, and yeah, there will be some logistical issues as far as like, you know, universities making those kinds of adjustments and, you know, with other sports that are run concurrently at that time, um, facility use, all of that stuff, you know, even certain Certainly the season sort of butting up against uh, NFL draft time and combine stuff. But you can figure that out, I would imagine, right? And and so, uh, yeah, we've been talking a little bit about that. That is certainly an extreme uh, type of scenario. But I think at, at a time like this where things are moving so fast and change is happening on an almost hourly basis, uh, you have to prepare for anything. I think Anything should be on On the the table table. for at least discussion.
2: Yeah, and Craig Angelus, who is the new athletic director at the University of Hawaii, you talk about a difficult job now because I just don't see the four remaining Pac-12 teams, and you mentioned two already possibly moving, want to absorb the Mountain West Conference. And if that doesn't happen, right, you have to start thinking outside the box. Now, this is going to be something where, like, Sankey of the SEC becomes really the commissioner overall of Mm -hmm. this new Power 3 Yeah. Conference, whatever, else. and then somebody's going to have to take over these other things and guide them in a totally different direction, out of the box thinking. June Jones thought about this five, ten years ago, as you mentioned, and it may come to fruition because it reminds me of the XFL. Those players know they want to get back into the NFL, and with the transfer rules now, you might be able to prove yourself in the spring with these, with the non-power five conferences or whatever you want to call them, and then. Transfer and play with the big boys. Yeah, and
1: it could go the other way too, right? I mean, you can play in the fall with one of the quote-unquote big boys, and then be like, "All right, this isn't for me," and I can Boom. actually like transfer and play this spring for you know, depending on what the transfer rules end up uh, looking like if you were to have that kind of scenario. But yeah, uh, we we we've been talking. Does the a NCAA
2: bit. even exist anymore? Is there any power to no, do n- n- anything? Not
1: not when it comes to college football. The no. NCAA is an outsider. <laughs> uh, it is it is a it's voyeur, just outside watching, and it's unbelievable how uh, how how minuscule their authority has become, particularly when it comes to college football. And so, yeah, even more of a reason you can't rely on the NCAA to try to hold this thing together because they have failed miserably wild, wild at doing West. that when it comes to the NIL, all of that stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, we've been bringing this up just because all of these rapid changes are occurring. Uh, college sports as we previously knew it uh, sort of no longer exists. Uh, it, 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 you know, It's certainly not in the same way. Uh, and then you talked about the four remaining Pac-12 teams and the possibility. of maybe a merger with the Mountain West um, being something that would be considered uh, in the not-too-distant future. Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune uh, wrote an article about this very thing, right? And The Mountain West right now, uh, the teams seem to be locked in with one another because they have that enormous $34 million exit fee for any program that would be uh, looking to leave. And so I think you're talking about programs that can't necessarily afford that unless they were to be subsidized by a bigger conference trying to pull them in uh, to to help pay that that bill. And so the Mountain West seems to be in a pretty secure position at the moment. This article by Mark Ziegler, though, talks about the possibility of perhaps a merger taking place where the Mountain West teams, the 12 Mountain West teams would merge with the four remaining Pac-12 teams. You would create a 16- Team League, uh, perhaps you would adopt the Pac-12 as a moniker as a brand, just because it's something that's more established, going all the way back, you know, to the early 1900s and that kind of thing. Uh, the caveat here, though, is uh, and something that's a little bit worrisome: the language that was used in this article by Mark Ziegler, where he says the Mountain West uh, would move most or all members to the Pac-12 or whatever the name of, of this thing would ultimately be and that's a scary proposition because as we have known Hawaii has been left in the dust before uh, when the Western Athletic Conference broke off and they created the Mountain West Hawaii was one of the old school uh, members and they were left out in the cold and so you know, Hawaii since then has had to sort of scramble and try to find some kind of solid footing and they have at least as a football only member with the Mountain West and a big West member in all of the Olympic sports and all of that, That kind of stuff. But the three programs specifically mentioned here that could be in the greatest amount of danger of being left out under some kind of merger scenario, the three that were named, San Jose State, Nevada, and Hawaii. And obviously, I think the situation with the Aloha Stadium and and just the issues there for the Rainbow Warriors, that's something that automatically puts them perhaps in that danger zone, that gray area, right? And so it becomes now this thing, Rich, where... Mountain West feels kind of secure at the moment but the insecurity on the periphery right, western region conferences, the pack bleeping 12 for crying out loud is imploding and so while Hawaii can feel okay, I think about its position at the moment uh, I think it behooves Craig Angeles and the university as a whole to try to strengthen its position as much as possible despite the stadium situation because if you can perhaps project Japan as sort of an extension to this market, right, you can create value there we have continued to talk about football maybe taking advantage of its um time window when they play the last college game on a saturday for its home games and sort of exploiting its connection uh, perhaps to the industry that is sports betting uh, if they can strengthen their position they make themselves appear more valuable and i think that you still need to do that because it sounds like nothing Absolutely nothing right now, particularly in college football, is a guaranteed done deal.
2: Yeah, and when you mention that, right? So we talked about this, and June was one of the, you know, father fathers of this thought, so to speak. But we all talked about strengthening the program for this, uh, you know, potential to have this Power Five conference versus the Group of Five, where maybe we could be absorbed into the Pac-12. So this would be a phenomenal scenario if Hawaii was absorbed into the Pac-12, especially. For, I think, women's volleyball, men's basketball, all of these other schools, if they could become PAC 12 members, because now you'd be playing Washington State potentially cal oregon state and stanford now if you had that it makes everybody's scheduling that much more competitive which means now timmy chang robin Amo, uh rich hill all these people can recruit better athletes as well but what worries me about capitalism and i'm a capitalist (laughs) what worries me about greed and you know you have to be thinking about this is san diego state tried to when leave tried this to year. When you think about UNLV positioning themselves and you think about Boise State's tradition and Fortune 400 companies, they may not want to be in this new conference unless you do have Stanford, Cal, yeah. Washington State, Oregon. And then you look at the bottom three, so to speak, and I hate to think of us in the bottom three, but when yeah. you start San Jose State, uh, you mentioned Hawaii, and then you mentioned N- the, other the other school. Right? Nevada was N- the other Nevada's school. Nevada's
1: run into some issues with their Division Sp- One status, attendance, and and support and that kind facilities, of
2: yeah. and all those other things. Now you have this bottom three... And now you have the top three that's thinking about potentially leaving and anything is on the table right now so you talk about you know an issue when you get these presidents and these chancellors together along with the ad's and they really don't have any idea what's going on but as you mentioned all you can do as a university and craig angeles or whatever is continue to try to get funding for aloha stadium and get it built funding for your athletic department invisibility and, and positioning yourself because you don't even know what your position Yourself for, but you're positioned to get better. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and I don't think the four remaining Pac-12 teams, despite the reports that the ACC is going to at least look into the idea of adding potentially Stanford and Cal, um, I don't think either of those four programs can necessarily look down their noses at the Mountain West. Right? I mean, they have to. Stanford right, exactly. has of an endowment of like you know Billions. a billion, kajillion dollars. That said, they did just recently try to cut sports. Right? They Men's did. Volleyball. They did succumb to the idea of having to trim down their athletics budget. Cal is reportedly going through some financial issues as an institution. If they have an
2: endowment as well. Sure.
1: Uh, Washington State, Oregon State, you know, not necessarily these, these institutions and these programs that certainly carry the same kind of cachet as some of their nearby neighbors. And so uh, I don't think they're in a position necessarily to just scoff at the idea of, of joining uh, and, and, and sort of rebranding as partners with the members of the Mountain West Conference. And so to me, it kind of makes sense, right, to just sort of bolster the, the, the league as a whole, make it a 16-team league, try to, from some of the branding that's been established with the Pac-12, try to sort of convey it as a, pen, a potential uh, maybe cusp power five type of league, right? Or or, or certainly what the Mountain West has already been trying to establish is that it is the top when it comes to football or even really with most of the sports, it's the top group of five or non-power conference. And so I think those are the kind of things that that need to be considered. And I don't think the four remaining Pac-12 teams uh, are in a position to sort of laugh that idea. No,
2: no. And and, and as we speak, they're talking to the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12. They're trying to see if there's any potential for them to be in a conference that's going to allow them to have this $50, $60, 70000000 million a year football television contract. Uh, another thing, I think, a scenario that's maybe favoring this potential Mountain West pack for merger is the fact that it's streaming now and the great unknown of Apple yeah. streaming impact the Pac12 went through that and that's part of the reason why they didn't solidify their contract where members felt like they better get out of it before they get a smaller television contract less revenue and and it's all about money it's all about television money but the streaming thing may not be as good as they think but Apple it's the unknown and maybe they can get a streaming contract initially that's a little bit more valuable than they could get on regular television I I do
1: think there needs to be a linear piece though just realistically speaking I don't think we're quite there yet as a society it's young people that
2: stream right it's not
1: yeah but it's still you're you're talking about numbers uh, that would be required for an exclusive streaming subscription service that just would be hard to reach I think for the average fan um And especially, I think, with some of the losses that the Pac-12 is going to have to be dealing with. Uh, And so, yeah, I think a a piece, a linear television deal piece is necessary, whether it's outsourced through ESPN or Fox or something like that. I do think that that's probably something that if they were to negotiate a a, a deal in the future uh, would have to be involved. All right, we got to take a break here, but we have a caller on the line. 808-296-1420 is the number. You can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at that number. John uh, has been waiting patiently. John, what's up?
3: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm hoping that the ACC really takes Stanford and Cal because 16 miles to feed is more than 12. It's, it's not like you got a big pie. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, UH, San Jose, and, and, and Nevada, are, are, they're talking about chopping us. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the loyalty can go far away, but we're seeing how loyalty doesn't mean much. Um, but I think if Cal and if Cal and Stanford, or even the threat of Cal and Stanford not being here long term, can hopefully hold us in because we we don't bring nothing to the table. Uh, that, uh, that, that, that Interesting.
1: Uh, well, I appreciate the call, John. Thank you. And an interesting take. I, I do think that there is some validity there, talking about like the the mouths to feed, and that's ironically something that could potentially work in favor of Hawaii because of Hawaii's exclusive deal with Spectrum Sports, right? Something that's kind of unprecedented for other mid-major programs. And we're not just company <laughs> men speaking here, Rich. Uh, but you can follow University of Hawaii football and <laughs> Spectrum Sports. paper. you know, uh, it, it's it's that deal precludes Hawaii from getting the same piece of the pie from any television deal that the Mountain West negotiates, right? And the same goes for even Big West uh, sports because of some of the the Spectrum contract itself. Uh, And so I, I think that that Alleviates some of the added pressure if Hawaii were to still be involved. If the spectrum thing, uh, which is you know very much still in place, if that also gets extended a little bit further term.
2: And, and you and I love because it's like yin and yang. You talk about the positives, and I and I hate to bring up the negatives all the time, but <laughs> the reason why you mentioned earlier that Hawaii was kind of left out of this new Mountain West deal was the non-revenue producing sports, the travel logistics, mm-hmm. and the cost of travel and ground transportation and hotels. So that's still. Uh, huge negative right Uh, so but we do have 1.3 1.4 million people so there is a television market of pretty good substance but then the other thing is facility wise and that's all we can do as we mentioned craig angeles whatever else is this new stadium this entertainment district has to be more than just a artist rendering the new facilities at the university of hawaii Clum gym cannot be the workout center there has to be a legacy hall there has to be all these things but again the complicit is all of us and it starts with the governor the legislature the senate and then the, you know the big companies whatever else if we really want to be a division 1 program there's no greater sense of urgency than Today, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that you're going back to I think the original point that we made right when we brought up this discussion is how can Hawaii bolster and strengthen its position? Utilize some of what has been deemed a disadvantage geographically to actually flip it to be viewed as something that is advantageous because of its proximity Hawaii, to Japan and, and and Asia, uh, because of its proximity, uh, time zone wise, uh, to being the last college game of the and, day. And, and the as-
2: positives of that, right? You mentioned it was the- the gambling exactly, and the potential exactly. of the marijuana stuff or whatever it is.
1: So sort of just embracing, I think, some of that, right, and, and trying to turn what has obviously a long time been viewed as these negative attributes for Hawaii because of geography and whatnot into something that is a positive. And yeah, uh, it would require a little bit of an overlooking of the stadium situation and some of the other things you're talking about. Hawaii already pays travel subsidies. That's something that's always probably going to be included because of the travel. But if you can create more value for your Yourself. Like, okay, that would mean that the conference would be much more inclined to be like, hey, look, that's a pretty significant value that we would be maintaining by having Hawaii uh, remain in the conference.
2: And just the sports tourism business, I, I would imagine if you did a deep dive into this and it had potential to, from the AYSOs, the flag footballs, whatever else, when you look at Las Vegas, you look at Orlando, if Hawaii had the ability to have the youth, all these younger people, uh, t- sports tourism markets along with the market of now being in the Pac-12 or the Pac-West or whatever and have some of these <laughs> these marquee teams, whatever else. I-, I think the Hawaii Tourism Authority has to get involved. I think the legislature and the Senate has to get involved. We need to subsidize the University of Hawaii Athletics so that we can af- help afford to pay for some of these non-revenue producing teams and be a player.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I-, I absolutely agree. I mean, you have all of these other forms of entertainment that the uh, Hawaii Tourism Authority has been uh, uh, locked arms with right uh, when it comes to halal and other musical performances and those kinds of things that have traveled overseas towards the Far East and, and towards the the Asian continent. Um, why can't Hawaii sports and University of Hawaii athletics specifically? Why can't that have a similar tie-in? Because I think it has the same, if not even greater amount of uh, marketing huge. value. Potential is huge. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we were going to take a break. When we come back, I already have my resident football guru here in the house, in Rich Miano. Uh, we are going to bring via the the phone line into the fray, uh, our resident football guru, Jordan Helley, is going to join us on the <laughs> other side, talk a little bit about that uh, U.S. Women's World Cup team, uh, no longer a part of this World Cup's festivities. Yeah, that's right. Jordan Helly's going to talk about that and a little bit more about what we're talking about because, you know, he's also one of the guys on the Spectrum Sports pay-per-view broadcast of University of Hawaii football. All right, stay cool this summer. Get the new Bosch Inverter Central Air Conditioning System that qualifies for up to a $1,000 Hawaii energy rebate. Ask your contractor for the Bosch Inverter. Let's Talk Sports rolls on after this. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Lehi here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rich Miano, resident football guru, is also in the house as the guest co-host here uh, for the day. But we have a resident football guru talking about soccer. And uh, my man, Jordan Helly, who joins us via the phone line from the island of Maui. Jordan, how you doing, bro?
2: What's up, guys? Yeah, I didn't
1: know Rich was on. No wonder the first segment went long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how it goes. You know how it goes with this Talents guy. I
2: like to talk a lot. I got a little Portuguese in me, too. <laughs> he's been in Greece all this time. He just has all Bro, kinds of stuff.
1: He's got all kind of takes he's got to share. You know, he's been traveling all this time. Uh, Jordan, uh, we bring you in because obviously you're a guy who uh, watches very closely uh, the game of soccer and this U.S. Women's World Cup uh, experience in this iteration has been a bit of a debacle, and they get bounced on a penalty kick shootout against Sweden. Uh, you had some key misses, including from Megan Rapinoe, who could have essentially sealed the deal for the United States to advance. Um, and then you've also seen this really weird reaction, I think, on on some in some corners of social media of people who are kind of like, "Yeah, good for them, right?" Because <laughs> these are the, the these these individuals, these these incredible athletes who have uh, you know taken some some. Um, Uh, activism steps and and, and taken to yeah some some stances that uh we're trying to uh you know establish equal pay for the women's players and that kind of stuff so it's just kind of created this weird stir but let's just talk about the soccer specifically (laughs) uh how crazy was that and who's to blame here because we got to blame somebody oh boy
0: there's a whole lot of blame to go around right yeah crazy (laughs) i mean we had kind of lamented the fact that, um, you know, by them finishing second in the group, they were going to be playing in the middle of the night, uh, or early <laughs> hours, uh, much to the chagrin of, like, every executive at Fox, uh, much to the chagrin of, like, every executive at MasterCard and all these companies <laughs> that spent a bunch of money running these commercials with Sophia Smith and everybody else down the roster, right? That, I don't know how many times you see those commercials when they're playing, uh, but the value of all of that advertising and uh, the rights fees that, that Fox played billions of dollars for um, you know, kind of down the tube. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. You know, I I, I think a lot of it kind of falls on the head coach and Vlatko Andonovsky, and we talked a little bit about it last week. But, you know, the, the team played a lot better. Um, they played with a bit more confidence. They played with a little bit more cohesion. I think they had a little bit better idea of what they wanted to do. Um, but the fact of the matter is they scored one goal in their final three matches. They They, they scored four goals in five matches in the tournament. Um, and that includes 30 minutes of extra time against Sweden. Um, they scored three goals against Vietnam, sure. But even that was quite a bit underwhelming against an opponent that is far inferior to them. And so they just they just haven't been good, um, you know, good enough, I should say, you know, in comparison to their, their track record, right? They've never finished lower than third in any other World Cup. They're out here in the round of 16. Um, Vlatko in their 10 matches, if you include the World Cup and the Olympics two years ago um they played five matches in um <clears throat> uh six matches in the olympics they played um five here in the world cup they've or excuse me five and five or whatever it was but they they um they've won four of those ten matches in, in the major competition wow. it's like, not very good and one of them was in the penalty shootout so really he only won three of the ten matches he was in charge of in the olympics and and the world cup and they they, they don't score goals um, you know, even though they, they created a number of chances, you got to tip your cap to the Swedish goalkeeper for sure. Um, but I think it's it, he's got to go. I would have fired him three days ago. Um, <laughs> You're like me, you know. And then, and then <laughs> I think you know. And then I think uh, a, a lot of this falls on the two biggest faces of the team. And you, you can get into the, the the activism and everything off the field. I think a lot of people are kind of telling on themselves with some of these takes here. Um, but if you just feel purely on the field, like Megan Rapinoe had no business being on the pitch, and, yeah. and a lot of that goes of latko and him putting her in like that that ultimately is the coach's decision right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hate on megan rapinoe for saying hey yeah i've raised my hand I'm, I'm ready to go out there like sure that, that's what a player is going to do especially a player who's been as good and great as she has been but but quite honestly i mean you saw the proof out there like she had no business being on the field like her only attribute at this point in her career because she can't run around she can't defend she can't hold on to the ball in possession like she used to be able to because she's just not as fleet as foot. It's her service, and her service was terrible. You know, it's like an aging three-point shooter who can't guard anybody. It's like, all right, you know, Jimmy goes stand in the corner and hit open threes. Like, she couldn't even do that, right? It wasn't even close on the corner kicks. Uh, a couple of her free kick services in there. Like, it, it, there was no chance. Uh, and so she didn't deserve to be on the field. And Alex Morgan is the other one who's, who's the number nine. She's the striker, right? She's been the face of the program along with Megan Rapinoe here for a number of years. Uh, I think a lot of people have a bit of an overinflated kind of estimation of her value. Like she's been good. She's also been surrounded by great players throughout her career. I I was one who didn't even realize this, but if you look at her four world cups, 11, 15, 19, and now twenty twenty three, she scored five goals once against Thailand, (laughs) which really kind of inflates her. her Mm -hmm. She scored two goals in other games, in four World Cups. Two goals. Like, that's, that's just not, that's not a really world-class striker when it comes down to it, right? And they've had other great, like Carly Lloyd and Abby Wambach and some of these others that she's overlapped with that have provided a bunch of the goal-scoring punch. And, and this team, and to be fair, they're, they're severely limited by a number of significant injuries, but look, sure. this is the deepest program in the world. Um, but I, I think it really falls down on, on, on the coach, and, and quite honestly, in a lot of ways, the two biggest, you know, stars on this team... Rightfully so, but, but they just they were underwhelming and, and weren't good enough.
1: Uh, we're talking with Jordan Helly, our resident football uh, guru. Uh, God, we have Rich Miano, the resident football guru in the imp- house as impressive well. Impressive analysis. His, I'm telling you, he breaks it down. Um, all I feel right.
2: like getting the coach fired, just what, what Jordan said. I mean, that, that had a lot of validity to it. <laughs> I,
1: I, I think so. Um, I, if anybody that's involved with the national program listening, <laughs> I think it's going to have an impact. But uh, is, is the wor- has the world caught up? Jordan, is that, the, is that the other thing that we're seeing here, that uh, the United States uh, had such a great ambassadorship for this sport that the rest of the globe, in essence, through that inspiration, has now taken the steps to create their developmental programs to the point where the rest of the world's kind of caught up now, or what? Or is that an overreaction? They, the, no, they're catching up. No, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question. I think it's a very fair
0: point. Like, the world is getting better. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's great for the game. Uh, I think it's great for development. The United States is still decades ahead of, of a lot of these uh, national programs around the world, um, you know. But the fact that you know Nigeria nearly upset England last night, right? Like they took them to the penalties, could have hmm. easily won that. Jamaica, match. Um, you know, Jamaica the only team in the tournament that hasn't allowed a goal. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like you know, one of Bob Marley's daughters had to like go fund his program years <laughs> ago to just keep it afloat. You know, and they still got a GoFundMe going, right? If you want to adopt any team, go ahead and just adopt the Reggae Girls. They've been amazing. <laughs> um, you know, sounds like it's a South Disney Africa, movie. Morocco. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. Cool Runnings coming your way Uh <laughs> they got a reboot of it. If they keep if they keep winning matches here, uh, I forget if they play tonight or
1: tomorrow, whatever it is. They, but, they play no, tonight. The, the I think it's is, like I think it's like ten yeah. o'clock Hawaii time tonight. They play Colombia, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, so perfect.
1: You know, it, it, for for you know,
0: catch the nine o'clock news and then go ahead. and <laughs> <introduce
1: them. laughs>
0: To the match. But um no the world's getting better. Like there's there's no denying that. Um but I think to say that the Americans aren't still the deepest program with the most resources, um, with the best pedigree, uh, with the best training facilities and everything like that, it would you'd be lying to yourself, right? You'd be making excuses. Like they're still better than everybody else when it comes to a lot of those um criteria in a lot of the areas of what would lead to a successful national team program. They still got the best youth development programs and things like that. Um, and so as the world gets better, the United States will have to continue to improve otherwise they'll get caught and passed by, but we're a long ways from that where, you know, they'll they'll be flaming out or, you know, not making a world cup or anything like that. But the, the world definitely is getting the one thing that I think that has helped, um, the rest of the world, if you will, the European nations have really invested a lot in the women's game over the last decade, decade and a half. And quite honestly, you know, a lot of the American players play their club soccer in the United States, whereas a lot of the European teams, a lot of these clubs, right, Chelsea. Um, Manchester uh, United. Manchester United, a little less so, but, but some of these big European clubs, Olympic Lyonnais and, and Lyon, France, uh, some of these uh, FC Barcelona, some of the German clubs there, they've invested a lot in the women's game. And so, honestly, all, a lot most of the best players in the world outside of the United States players, are playing in Europe, much like you see in the men's game. And that has started to eclipse, if not uh, – there are clubs there, maybe not leagues in whole, but European soccer, I think, has gotten better than, like, the NWSL. And so a lot of these players are staying home. It's comfortable. You get a decent paycheck and things like that. Um, but that is something to keep your eye on as well, because I think if if, if the American players – some of them are, right? Lindsey Horan one of them um, that play their club. Their club soccer in Europe, they're going to need to do more of that because I think if they continue to just rely on um, the the domestic league, they're not going to develop as much as, as some of these other ones. And, and you've seen a lot of that. And some of these players from from African nations and whatnot are playing their club soccer in Europe, and, and it's really really
1: helped. See, that's why
2: he's guru status, Rich. That's but why no, he's no, good. So, man. No, there's a new moniker. I'm the football guru. Jordan Helle could be the overall guru. He does volleyball, baseball, <laughs> basketball, football. This guy is amazing. Yeah, uh, I see
1: uh, I see representation in your future here, Jordan, on behalf of uh, one Rich Miano. Uh, we appreciate it, Jordan. Sorry, we're up against a break, but uh, thanks Don't for worry. the breakdown, man, and uh, helping us kind of process that uh, disappointing loss a little bit more. But see you a in a few weeks, buddy. Yep, season upon us. That's Talk right. to you soon, buddy. That's right. Take care, boys. All right, Jordan Helly joining us via the phone line. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, not only do I have a Kaiser grad here uh, in studio, but we're going to talk to another Kaiser alum, Dave Sadino. Do you know this guy? Pono yeah, of wines, Pono. I drink uh, the it first regularly. Hawaii-born winemaker in Napa Valley. They had an event this past weekend, and he's actually doing something with one of his issued wines uh, that could very much benefit University of Hawaii sports. We'll talk to Dave on the other side. welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Lehi here in the Paxa studios in Honolulu. Rich Miano, our resident football guru, my partner for Spectrum Sports pay-per-view coverage of UH football, is in the house as the guest co-host here today. Uh, You're a Kaiser alum. Uh, We got another guy who went to Kaiser, also went to Farrington as a matter of fact, uh, who just so happens to be the first Hawaii born winemaker in Napa Valley and he joins us via the phone line because he's doing something really cool with his Pono Wines label and a limited release wine uh, referred to as Imua. We'll let him kind of explain this but uh it could go to benefit university of hawaii sports so with that we welcome winemaker dave sedino to the show dave how are you doing sir Dave, do we have you? Thanks for having me. Oh, right on, right on. We got you. Thank you. Uh, We got you plugged in there. Uh, We had an event uh, just this past Saturday at Strip Steak in Waikiki. Uh, It was like the busiest night in Waikiki ever. It was hard to find parking, but the turnout was still incredible, and we got to sample some uh, really wonderful, brilliant Pono wines. Uh, But the thing that you're doing is really special, Dave, and and I just kind of want to give you the floor, if you will, to kind of share how people can uh, benefit from uh, contributing not just two porno wines, but uh indirectly also contributing to UH Sports. Uh yes, absolutely. And uh good morning, Rich. It's been a while.
2: <laughs> brother, I'm so excited you're on the show. I didn't know prior to coming in and then when I was like, Kaiser rules the world. Dave's wine is phenomenal. I'm a consistent drinker of it, so I'm go ahead, brother. <laughs> so
3: yeah, you know, about a year ago I was uh I was hanging out at wildlife country club and some of the guys had brought in uh, they had purchased some Pono wines prior and they brought it in and everybody's having a, you know, a nice glass of wine and Kimo Keist, uh pipes up and he says, Hey, bro, you think you could make a wine for the UH? I said, <laughs> yeah. I, I said, I, I, I'm sure I could, but, but, but why, why? And he said, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to raise money for the foundation, for UH athletics. And, um, I thought we could make a wine and do something good. And, you know, in, uh, up front, it just seems like, wow, such a noble idea, right? And then uh, without even thinking, I, I jumped off the ledge and said, yeah, man, we can do that. <laughs> okay. Good for you. And just so you know, just so you know, I'm going to introduce you to 300,000 alumni. I was like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> and so uh, I went forward, and then at the, the deeper I got into the project, I realized that, you know, our our small production Pono wines are highly rated wines. You know, if you're familiar with the hundred point scale, all the Pono wines land between ninety two to ninety six points. Wow, um, P- and impressive. So, and then I and, and it dawned on me, it's like, well, if I make a wine like for the UH, I I I can't go backwards, right? I mean, I have to go forward and and have to basically make the best wine we've ever made. How do you do that, right? Well, you do that by sourcing wine from some of the most sought-after fruit in the world, which we were fortunate enough to do. And even though 80, 80 cases is, is, is our uh, version of st- sticking our toe in the water, um, all we're asking, uh, not asking anybody to do a 5K and then get, get people to, to donate money. Well, I'm asking you to drink wine, <laughs> and when you drink wine, you've, a, you've accomplished the goal of helping the UH. That sounds UH, great. What
1: a deal. Yeah,
3: we're in. Right? <laughs>
1: That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, How can people uh, acquire uh, these, these wonderful wines there, Dave?
3: Okay. So uh, they are available as we speak. You can go to uh, www.ponowines.com, go to the wine page and you will see the UH bottle uh, available to order uh, as we speak. Um, Just know that the wine itself uh, will be released on September 5th. So you can purchase your wine. You'll be in line and, and, September 5th all the wines ship out and you'll get uh, a big surprise in your uh, on your doorstep
2: Will there be any commercial Safeway uh tomorrow's anything like that or just straight online
3: so the only place it'll be available is online from pono wines and and here's why because we are able to track every single um, bottle purchased there is no discounts because every single bottle purchased, directly benefits the University of Hawaii. Nice.
1: Yeah, you, you broke down a little bit of the math, Dave, and before we let you go, uh, if, if you could talk, because this was something that was uh, real eye-popping. Uh, you mentioned if you sell a certain amount of cases, uh, that donation to University of Hawaii Athletics, uh, in essence, uh, that's going to be a pretty big number.
3: It's going to be a big number. Um, if, if Together, I mean, again, we, did, we just made 80 cases. If with everybody picking up the rope and pulling in the same direction at the same time. If we can, as a as a body of, of dedicated uh, UH supporters, grow this to 500 cases, uh, th- at that point, Pono Wines is uh, writing a six-figure check to the University of Hawaii every year.
2: You Absolutely. know what's awesome about that? Now when people ask, how can I help? You know, you can buy a season tickets, you can buy a pay-per-view. You can buy Pono wines and you can help. Hello. I, I love
1: it. I love it. I don't always yeah. have an eighth <laughs> glass of wine, but you know what? It's for the student-athletes. Yes. Thanks for making that possible, Dave. We appreciate it, man, and congratulations. The wine that we were able oh. to sample on Saturday was just exquisite. So uh, really appreciate all that you do, man. Go
3: Cougars. Hey, go Cougars. Hey, Tanoa, real quick, can I read you what, what – The back of the Imoa bottle says? Sure. Okay. So on the back of each bottle is an inscription. And this is from Diamond Mountain District in Napa Valley, the highest-end wine-growing region in Napa. It says, Imoa lives in the heart of the Rainbow Warrior. Its spirit can be felt on the campus of the University of Hawaii, Manoa, and is embodied by the students, faculty, alumni, and faithful fans. Pono Wines is proud to have created this special wine made from some of the most sought-after grapes from the Napa Valley the world's greatest and most diverse growing region. So stand with us and raise a glass as we say, Imua Ohana. Let's go, Bose.
1: Oh, love it.
2: I'm going to drink a bottle with June Jones, Dave Shoji, Bob Nash, Les Murakami, Bob Wagner, and rest in peace, Dick Tomey, because everybody should drink a glass. I was going to
1: say, with that group, you're going to need more than one bottle, my friend. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was going to say exactly
3: that. You better buy a case
1: for you. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Best of luck, man. Appreciate it.
3: All of you guys, thanks for having
1: me. All right, Dave Sadino of Pono Wines. How cool what a is great that? Great name, and what a great Imua. collab! What Imua. a great collab idea. Yeah. The ubiquitous I give Kimo, Kimo, Kai. Kimo Kai. Some credit. Oh my God! Uh, I think he gets enough credit. Yeah, the great-
2: he is everywhere. I think there's a James Kai, a Kimo Kai. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we uh, we did the Craig Angeles show last week, and uh, Kimo Kai's name was dropped like 11 times. Uh, I was like, what, what's what's going on over here? No, he deserves it. He's a really good dude and uh, does a lot of great work with that UH Foundation. All right, speaking of great. work. Rich Miano is in the house. We're going to get into our best and worst when we come back. Beat the heat with Fujitsu air conditioning systems. Fujitsu includes a special trifecta warranty that will have you saying, say it with me, Rich. I I love love my my Fujitsu. Fujitsu. It's like we've done it before. All right, I got Rich Miano here in the house. Best and worst time. What is your best, Rich?
2: I'm going with Dan Morrison, the quarterback whisperer, who was at practice for the last couple of weeks. Timmy is just a sponge absorbing Dan's knowledge. And Dan said this, during a seven-on-seven period, Hawaii quarterbacks, four of them, Four wide receivers, a multitude of different platoons went a hundred straight plays without the ball touching the ground Now that was on air, there's no pass rush, there's no defense, but to see that precision was kind of a throwback to the run-and-shoot days. Yeah,
1: uh, what were your impressions here uh, while we're talking about UH football? You were out at practice on Friday. I saw you there. You were you were uh, talking with uh, Dan Morrison across the way, and then I know you were there at uh, Saturday, the scrimmage at St. Louis.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chris Brown and the defense as well. So the, my my impression is that the defense has a little bit more – I would say size, experience, uh, numbers, and girth in the in, in the D-line. The linebackers, I think, are better because Isaiah Tufunga has lost some weight, and we know what Logan Taylor can do. I love the safeties when it talks oh, about yeah. Peter Manuma, along with Mekki Pay, and then the corners look nice on the outside, and there's some depth there, too. So I think the defense is going to be better.
1: Yeah, Cam Stone was back at practice late last week, and I think um, with Verdell Edwards. I mean, dude, they, they're, they're kind of set up uh, to Certainly be an improved defensive unit overall, but I think in some spots, particularly, they might be like awfully good for sure, like uh, with some potential uh, all-conference type of. You know, possible performances here from these guys. Uh, All right, my best. I'm going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you saw this video, it went kind of viral, but uh, it was just at practice, and all he did was a little behind the back throw. Uh, It wasn't like a long pass or anything, but it hit the target perfect uh, right into the hands of his uh, pass catcher, and it was like a perfect spiral behind the back. This dude's crazy, and it's only a matter of time until he does one of those things in a game, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: And then what's going to happen, right, is because all this goes viral or whatever else. So now you're going to go down to the park and pop (laughs) Warner and and, and flag football and pylon and in high school football, you're gonna be see guys practicing that. So there's good and bad that's gonna come out of that because everybody wants to be like Patrick, different arm angles. Sure. And you know the Chiefs
1: they'll do all kinds of oh, stuff. They they'll ring around the posy oh, thing, the pre-snap. Creative. Like they just do all kinds of stuff. Uh, they test the waters on all fronts. And if you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, I guess you can afford to do that, right? All right, let's flip it over to the worst stuff. What's your worst?
2: My worst is Tim Anderson, the White Sox player who got knocked out out and that became a bigger story than the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight <laughs> and to me, is that guy looked like he was knowing what he was doing with his hands, he had a good stance and got caught by a haymaker Yeah,
1: it was Jose Ramirez and uh, Tim Anderson and yeah, they they met at the bag and I guess uh, some of the uh, Indians players weren't too happy, I'm sorry, Guardians players weren't <laughs> too happy with uh, <laughs> mark me down for one of those uh, weren't too happy with the way Tim Anderson was kind of popping off throughout the series and so uh, yeah, they met. Mixed uh, and exchanged words, and next thing you know, they're they're throwing and flailing, and uh, Tim Anderson got caught on the button, and Bam. down he goes. Kind of reminds you of the uh, Joey Bats and uh, Rugned Odor fight, if you recall, uh, from a few years back, too, where uh, Bautista got laid out. So, Sleepin'. yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, all right. Uh, my worst is uh, a play-by-play announcer who got suspended indefinitely for, at least according to reports and based on what we know, Doing his job. Baltimore <laughs> Orioles play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown uh, was uh, suspended indefinitely by management uh, and front office management at uh, or with Baltimore uh, because on a broadcast in late July, he talked about in the series between the Orioles and the Rays uh, how the Rays had dominated that series, particularly when they played in Tampa. And apparently they made a big deal out of it with the graphic and all this kind of stuff. And whoever, one of the higher-ups, uh, wasn't too pleased with the fact that they pointed out that, you know, they had a bit of a rough past in that recent rivalry against the Rays. Uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's part of the storyline. That's part of the background. If, S- if anything, it accentuates just how good this season is for the Baltimore Orioles. It is ridiculous. And uh, as a play-by-play announcer, uh, it just doesn't get any worse Scary. than that, man. Yeah. I mean, it's already a, a rough Time where you got to watch what you say. Three hours
2: of speaking, and you got to watch what I you mean, say. Now he, you can't even say negative things about the home team. Yeah, I mean, come on, what kind of stuff is that? I mean, it's not like
1: he made a an egregious mistake. No, like, what do
2: they call me, the apologist? I
1: mean, it's not. It's not as though he made some like uh, egregious, unforgivable Political, mistake, like, like you know, calling the, the Indians or the Guardians <laughs> the Indians. I did it again. All right, you know what? Take me off. The oh, air. they I'm swore just, on I'm the air. Sl- like I'm suspending no myself indefinitely right now. <laughs> after that, Rich Miano appreciated. Thanks to Dave Sedino. Thanks to Jordan Heliot as well. See you tomorrow, everybody. Aloha.